Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Gabe. I'm Kelly. And I'm Jamie. And I've ruined Gabe's day by telling him he's doing a good job. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ohio's constitution requires a balanced, a critical piece there, mm. budget to be passed by both chambers and signed by the governor by 11.59 p.m. on June 30th. Today's date was what? Oh, wait, it wasn't June 30th. Hmm. <laughs> right? So on June 30th, when they discovered there was no way in heck that they were ever going to be able to pass said budget by said budget deadline. Wouldn't it be nice just to suspend your own rules? Why not? Yeah, they suspended their own rules. They kind of sp- suspended the whole Ohio Constitution, because again, this is constitutionally mandated here, people. A constitutional crisis, and uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's not even like our, like, it's not even like the Democrats, like, fault. Like, no. They don't have any, I mean, they have some power. They don't have enough yeah. power uh it's like it's it's a it's a something some that republicans did to themselves yeah it's totally what they did to themselves and so on the 30th instead of actually passing a real budget we passed a 17 day extension imagine, to the budget i just i it imagine like having both chambers and all statewide offices in your in your favor and still not getting your job done Yeah. So, you know, backing it up even further. Yes. Let's remember that the Republicans have a super majority in both legislatures of the legislative branches of the legislature. They have the governor's office. They have all the other statewide offices. They control the House Supreme Court. We control everything. They control everything. And they still still can't pass a budget. And the last time, so this is the only the second time, I think, since 1991 that the state didn't have a budget on time. And it's like the first time that it's ever happened within like good economic time. So the only other time we didn't reach a budget was like at the height of the recession when basically the state of Ohio had zero money to spend in the first place. Actual economic emergency. Yeah, an economic emergency. And they really just could not figure out how to provide the services that the state needed to provide and also balance the budget. Because that's constantly required. So, yeah. So all of the budget, I mean, when they went and they redid, so they go into conference committee if the two groups can't decide. So we're in conference committee. They get a new budget estimate, and it gives them, like, an extra ridiculous amount of money, like another $100 million, like, added to the revenue. And we still couldn't come up with how to spend this money. Cool. So, yeah. So... (laughs) And so it was, you know, it was the Larry's versus, it was Larry versus Larry again. Um, Larry Householder, the Speaker of the House, Larry Abhoff, the President of the Senate, both again, Republican. And Little Larry and Big Larry. Little Larry and Big Larry. And, you know. And for a long time, the governor was just like completely absent from this whole thing. Like, he's I like, mean, well, I like both proposals, so I'm staying out of it. I mean, I imagine there's a lot more than his presence that's absent, but. <laughs> but no, so it was actually really hilarious because right after they missed the budget deadline was the 4th of July. And of course, everybody goes to picnics and goes fishing. Like Ohio fishing day was July 1st or July 2nd or something like that. So Is that a real holiday? It's like free fish. You don't have to have a fishing license. To oh, fish so it is a real holiday. Day. So it is actually kind of a holiday. It's, it's a real. It's, it's actually a real by day. The, the fishing association. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Now it's like a why? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, it's a you know their Get industry has a fish. day. Yes, you know, 
had, had it not been in the middle of this budget state crisis. budget thing, it would have been no one would have noticed. Uh-huh. But instead, everyone noticed that every single legislature, inc- legislator, including the governor and the bu- lieutenant governor, were all out on boats fishing instead Gone of fish. actually doing their jobs and coming out with a budget. All right. <laughs> to the point where everybody had paid so much attention that the Republicans freaked out and like gathered a whole bunch of mostly looking interns. like interns around a table and like put it out on social media that look, we're working hard. You know what I think is hilarious <laughs> is you wouldn't notice it looking at the pictures. Like the average person just sees conference table, mm-hmm. lots of papers. Yeah. I worked in that building for years. That room is the members' lounge off the sergeant-at-arms room, and you never, ever see a meeting being held in there. (laughs) You've never seen people laying out papers Uh and doing stuff. But what that room has is massive skylights, which meant that for a photo op, (laughs) the pictures are beautiful. (laughs) That's the only reason they were in that room that Uh day, was to get nice lighting for the photos. Yes. Any photo of actual work is going to look like garbage. Cool. (laughs) They were like, let's take it into this room. Spread all the papers out. We're hard at work today. Uh We're not going fishing. No. No. So, yeah, so we finally got a budget, and just like every other year, they screw us over in the process. So the budget made it... I don't know. (laughs) budget made it through the House just fine at the last second, and the Senate... Well, actually, not the last second. um, The the committee in the Senate added $5 million for fake women's health centers through the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program. If you've listened before and been through previous budget cycles with us, that was previously a million dollars, one, number one. And then it was two, and now it's five. No, it never went to two. They asked for two. Oh. And and they got it temporarily, but then went back down last session. Okay. So it's always been at one. We went up to five. And What did we finish with? We finished with 7.5. What are they going to do with all that money? Seven and a half million dollars. Yes. Liars. Uh-huh. And you might ask, so so where did that $2.5 million come from? I don't know, Jamie. Where did it come from? <laughs> it came from, so um, there was a proposal in the budget um, that Nikki Antonio talked about yesterday in her floor speech that would have... And it was bipartisan? Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was it part of the budget, but passed out of the Senate. So every single senator voted for this. Um, $2.5 million to help Medicaid provide long-acting reversible contraceptives and a less coercive, which is two thumbs up, and more effective way. Um, so basically using the programs that exist within Title X and Planned Parenthood, who, who are sort of kind of the gold standard for provision of, these care, of this care, moving it into some more of the Medicaid providers. So they can transform their practice to do things better. For low-income women to get things like IUDs. Yes, IUDs and plants. And it was um, specifically for lower-income families within high infant and maternal mortality rate areas. This sounds like a great program. Doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's an actual good way of spending uh $2.5 million. And yet. And yet, it did not make it out of conference committee. It was slashed in conference committee, and magically, all of a sudden, crisis pregnancy centers or fake women's health centers were getting $2.5 million more, even though that $2.5 million was Medicaid, and this is temporary assistance for needy families. 
So, yeah, so Nikki Antonio spoke about that on the floor of the Senate yesterday. She was a little upset about that. Um, rightfully so. Rightfully so. And, I mean, just just in general, this whole program, so Temporary Assistance for Needy Families is one of the last, this block grant is one of the last cash, direct cash assistance programs that exists within the, quote-unquote, welfare umbrella. We've basically gotten rid of all other like cash payments to families. This talking to somebody who used to work in a Senate office. This is the kind of program where, like, if somebody was living in a house that had lead paint and the landlord was refusing to abate the lead paint, this is the kind of emergency funding that can be used to help that family move into another apartment so their kid wasn't getting lead poisoned every day. This is what this, you know, direct money into pockets of low-income people to help them pay their rent, to get diapers, all of those things that aren't covered by food stamps and, and all these other th- other programs. But instead of actually handing cash to low-income people so that they can spend it in the way they need to spend it, we're going to give it to these liars so that they can force people to take parenting classes because, of course, you know, low-income people have to be bad parents, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, and maybe be able to get a diaper, a pack of diapers at the end of that. So, yeah, it's fabulous. So a pack of diapers is like $5, and then you have to go to two hours for these classes, and that's less than minimum wage. Uh-huh. Just, just putting that out there. Yeah. So, yeah. That's terrible. Um, so uh, Amelia Sykes talked yes. on the floor uh, about several things. She's the minority leader. She addressed the budget at large. Uh, specifically called out how horrible it is that the state is funding these fake women's health centers at all. Um, And she read from a study uh, that explained it in detail. It's actually a statement, yeah, a policy statement from the American Public Health Association. And when she finished, she says, the reason I knew all about the statement is because, spoiler alert... (laughs) I wrote it. This was <laughs> Amelia Sykes' master's program where she covered... That's so cool. I didn't know that. ...crisis pregnancy uh-huh. centers in Ohio. So we've got the audio of her thing. Uh, so we're going to play it now. Um, and the second thing I want to talk about is the crisis pregnancy center funding. Um, if I may, Mr. Speaker, I want to read a insert or a policy statement from the American Public Health Association... Uh, which is entitled Regulating Disclosure of Services and Sponsorship of Crisis Pregnancy Centers. And it reads in part, crisis pregnancy centers are largely religiously affiliated centers whose primary promise is to prevent women who are experiencing unintended pregnancy from seeking abortions by purporting to counsel women on their pregnancy options. Women who contact and visit these centers have reportedly been presented with inaccurate information that is beyond the scope of the counselor's training and is clouded with biased alternatives and suggestions. While in theory, the purpose of CPCs seem genuine, evidence suggests that the centers use deceptive tactics to advance hidden anti-abortion agendas. CPCs frequently target women who are young, members of minority groups, or financially disadvantaged, and multiple investigations have found that CPCs often engage in techniques that are coercive, threatening, misleading, and aggressive towards these vulnerable groups. State and federal governments regularly appropriate public funds to support CPCs. Federal, state, and local governments have a special responsibility to ensure that taxpayer resources are not used to mislead and misinform persons seeking constitutionally protected and legal health services. The American Public Health Association supports safeguards to women's right to reproductive choice and opposes coercion in family planning and decision-making process. Uh, The reason I wanted to 
read that to you. One is because the American Public Health Association is a highly regarded large organization that talks about the public health of people throughout the country and the world. Um, but I really wanted to talk about that because I wrote those words. Uh, my master's thesis was on uh, discovering the um, issues with crisis pregnancy centers in Ohio. And through my research, I found how deceptive, how coercive, how aggressive, and quite unfortunate these centers are. And the mere fact that we are not only appropriating money to them, but increase in appropriation to them, I think is a complete dereliction of duty and something we should not have done. The American Public Health Association, a national organization, took a stance in November 2011 based on my work that I did um, as a graduate student and s took this stance and asked federal, state, and local governments not to appropriate money to these centers because they don't deserve the money. Who, the people who do deserve the money, the Department of Health. Local organizations that are working towards maternal health maternal mortality as well as infant mortality. But crisis pregnancy centers do not do that work. They have not been proven to do that. And in fact, studies have showed that they do the exact opposite. And I think it is very unfortunate that we would want to do this and waste taxpayer resources with these deceptive, coercive, aggressive organizations. So as I close, Mr. Speaker and members of the Ohio House of Representatives, I am going to make a request to our governor to veto a few provisions in this budget. Uh, there are a few pieces of unfinished business that I think that Governor DeWine could work on uh, that would make this even better. Uh, first would be line item vetoing the crisis pregnancy center funding. They don't deserve it. They are deceptive, cursive, and aggressive. So Amelia Sykes, expert on exactly why the state should not fund crisis pregnancy centers. That is so cool. I didn't know that about her. <laughs> yep. She's amazing. Well, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> uh, and specifically called out the governor to use a line item veto. Mike DeWine could have clearly just erased this one line, yep. removed this from the budget. It wouldn't have affected anything else. Uh, he failed to do so. Sign the bill. Mm-hmm. Throw the whole governor away. Sign the bill 10 hours late. So if you got a speeding ticket from the highway patrol this morning at like 4 a.m., I would argue that that cop didn't actually have a job during those hours. Ooh, that's a good one, Gabe. <laughs> well, and the, the thing is that they keep trying to make a big and make it that it wasn't such a big deal that they passed a 17-day extension. But when you really look at it, th this had a huge impact on how state, state go government worked. You know, state employees were told not to purchase anything new. No new contracts could be signed. So if you were a state contractor, your contract ended on July 30th. Right. June and 30th. June 30th, sorry. And they couldn't sign that contract until a new budget was signed after 10 o'clock this morning. Right. So you either were working for nothing or not working at all and not knowing when your new contract was going to be signed. Right. So let's talk about all those like food vendors that serve food to prisoners in our our prisons across this uh, across the state like what were the food vendors doing right. what were our private like that we have a contract with private prisons to, to incarcerate people in our state what were those private prisons doing without a contract like these are all questions that we don't have answers to because our the republican leadership is trying to pretend like this didn't matter and it didn't impact anybody right Ugh. during the federal government shutdown those contractors really got screwed it's unclear right now exactly how mm -hmm. the republicans inability to do their jobs on a deadline yeah. is going to affect people all across the state 
Mm-hmm. Um, so all of this was terrible. And there are four budgets that the state passes in these even, odd numbered years. We only met one of those deadlines, and it was the industrial areas, commi- industrial commission, industrial commission, something like that. The IC budget. We missed the bureau's workers' comp budget deadline. We missed the transportation budget deadline, and we missed the main state operating budget deadline. So we only hit one of the four budget deadlines. So they are just completely incompetent at doing their job on time, right. except for passing, you know, abortion bans. And the five thousand pound gorilla, ten thousand pound, the big gorilla, whatever in the room. What? There's an expression there. The gorilla in the room. Uh, I I thought it was an elephant. Okay. Uh, The the big ugly mammal in the room, (laughs) as they were working on all this, was separate legislation, House Bill Six, which is an energy bailout. Handing hundreds of millions Ohio's of dollars. Clean energy fund, it which is not clean energy at all. Does, <laughs> not only that, but like, doesn't it like revoke the clean energy protections yes, we it did does. have? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's really terrible for the environment yeah. and for taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And it, from our point of view, looked like the indecision in the Republican caucuses mm-hmm. was the big factor. And until everybody got what they wanted out of the budget, they weren't going to vote the way that Big Energy wanted on House Bill 6. Yeah, and then they still didn't get that done either yesterday. So they'll be coming back in the middle of the summer for that now, too. Stay away! Go away! Get out of my city! Leave! Yeah. You're supposed to be on break. Go away! (laughs) But no, they're incompetent at doing their job, so they keep coming back. (laughs) So the budget's done. (laughs) Ruining everything! (laughs) We should just make Columbus a sanctuary city and not let the Republicans in anymore. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, that's a great plan. <laughs> um, so that's that's the budget. That's not the only thing on CPCs, though. Crisis pregnancy centers. There's a tax credit bill. I'm throwing this in the <laughs> oh yeah, here. that's still going on. Um, that got some attention. Um, Can we put the 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 check out the my Instagram post? Not pregnant pause <laughs> media clip in the show notes too, because that's one of my favorite things ever. Yes, okay. Representative Jenna Powell uh, and Representative Tim Ginter. <laughs> Uh, are pushing House Bill 297, uh, which gives a tax credit. A refundable yes. tax credit. Uh, not a tax deduction. Nope. Not, not a normal charitable contribution no. deduction that, you know, you already get. This is a tax credit proposed. If you donate to a fake women's health center, the taxpayers will give you back cash of 50% of the gift. Yes. Yeah, so if a rich person in this state gives $100,000 to a a fake woman's health center, they get a $50,000 credit, full-out credit. So whatever tax they owed minus $50,000. And if they didn't owe $50,000 in state taxes, the state would issue them a check back for that amount of money. So if this $100,000 donation, $50,000 credit, if they only owed $20,000 in taxes, the state of Ohio would write this person a check for $30,000 and they would just get $30,000 in cash back. So uh, what what doesn't the state of Ohio do this? Yeah, so there is a tax, another tax credit. It's the earned income tax credit. It's for low-income people. Um, who So at the federal level, it is refundable. At the state level, it is not. So on average, um, the average low-income person who qualifies for EITC sees about $120 of credit, and they owe about $100 in credit every year. So on average, about $20 of that they will never see again. 
But this person, if that person got $20, they could probably feed their family for another week. But so, that's not a refundable tax credit in Ohio. We're one of a, a handful of states that that's not refundable in. But we're going to make a refundable tax credit for anyone who donates money to a crisis pregnancy center. And the fabulous people over at Spectrum News did a wonderful story on this, asking the sponsor, Jenna Powell, about tax credit versus donation d- deductions. And um, spoiler alert, she doesn't know what her own bill does. <laughs> She's an odd bird. Yeah. Uh, she looks like she's a 40-year-old consultant. She is 25. <laughs> it's very weird. She's also the uh, was, was one of the three people who voted against industrial hemp yesterday, because Ohio oh, doesn't yeah. allow industrial hemp. And also thinks porn is a public health crisis. Yes. Also, oh. spoiler alert, if you watch the Ann Fisher show with her talking about her resolution, she also doesn't know what uh, the definition of a public health crisis is either. Again, <laughs> I've never seen a millennial like. Well, maybe she's not even a millennial. I don't she's even know. She's twenty-five, so barely. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Point being, she does not. Uh, this is not a take. I see a lot of millennials take. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you, what year were you born in? Those porn-hating kids. <laughs> who, who are you? <laughs> a very, very conservative Christian. Yeah. Uh, so um, you know that is still looming out there. Yes. Uh, as to whether the two and a half million that got added on for CPCs was a way of buying them off, since this uh, House Bill two ninety seven came out of the gate and fell on its face right away with some terrible media, as it should, um, or or whether we're going to see this Keller kickback bill, uh, Representative Candace Keller, who is the executive director of mm-hmm. a fake women's health center. Um, has now said that she will abstain from voting on the bill, even though she co-sponsored it. She stands to potentially benefit uh, from this if passed. Mm-hmm. Um, also, interestingly, if you look at the 990s, her revenue from year to year dropped in the last year by a significant amount, and her salary supposedly went down from the 60-ish thousand dollars to a 50-ish thousand dollar. That's still year. like a third of the budget, though. Yeah, but yeah, so but so she's under ethical investigation, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, they called for an ethics investigation. Oh, okay. Whether they do one or not is a different well, story. Maybe. Butler County Democratic <laughs> Party called for that uh, investigation into Keller because of the Keller kickback bill. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good name for it. Yeah, I like it. it. We like that. Um, so we're going to keep looking at this uh, and and everything else that's out there. Yeah. So hopefully, the legislature goes away now. <laughs> Get out of my city. But Hilarious. we'll see. Uh, Kelly, how's Dayton been going? Ah, uh, Dayton, man, what? It's a different year at this point. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> it July feels, second <laughs> feels like it. <laughs> Netroots does a number on a person. Uh, July second, we you wandered over to Dayton with me. I know. Um, I know how it went. Tell everybody else how it went. I think it went well. I think it went it as did. about as well as a petition drop could go. Honestly, <laughs> um, so we did a petition drop with all the signatures we have collected for in support of the Dayton Clinic, um, which was like. Right around, right over 3,000, which is incredible for starting, what, in April? Like, it was it was a short campaign. We kicked a lot of ass. Um, so we tried to deliver our petition signatures to Premier Health, and we were not allowed in the building. And the security officers did not take our petitions. So they, That was surprising. Yeah, I mean, the trash can's right there. If you really hate us that much, at least pretend to care. You didn't right. even pretend you wanted to listen to people who cared about the community in Dayton. Right. So this 
campaign is virtually identical to what we had to do in Toledo. Except that the hospital here is Catholic. <laughs> Quote, unquote, Catholic. 22% Catholic, which I would really love to know how Catholic Newly is. Newly adopted. <laughs> they're, they're recent converts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they used to perform abortions in Miami Valley Hospital, so it's real hypocritical of them to not accept this. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So the, the campaign to get a transfer agreement uh, to keep women's health uh, women's women's med, med center, uh, yeah, date uh, women's med center. Uh, open, um, you know, the petition is to Mary Basalis, the mm-hmm. CEO of the uh, Premier Health Hospital chain, saying, "Hey, sign this transfer agreement." So we did um, uh, a, a, this petition drop off. We've done this before. We did it up in Toledo. We had all of these petitions, and did they accept them up in Toledo. They did. Amazing. They- <laughs> They said, no, you can't come in the building. That's fine. Didn't expect to come in the building. We said, hey, we have these for your CEO. Can you accept this delivery and take them to her? In Toledo, they said, yes, of course. And I know that they looked at them because as I was driving out of town, I got a call from the Toledo Blade reporter who said, hey, they've taken a look at this. Can you answer some more questions about who signed this? How do you collect them? All of that. That's cool. They looked at them. <laughs> they understood it was a petition to them. In Dayton, not so much. Yeah. I mean, Rewire News put out a really interesting article about like the Catholic takeovers of local hospitals, which is kind of what's happening in Dayton. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know like what other services they're not doing at, at Premier Health anymore. Like, That's a legit question. I mean, are they not? placing IUDs? Are they not honoring DNRs? Like, there's a lot of, like, things that, like, Catholic directives don't support, and I'd really love the public to know what right. Premier Health is and is not doing. Yeah. Well, and that is even a beyond. Huge, I mean, and, and that's the thing, is nobody really knew it was even Catholic. Right, until, exactly. Until they used it as an excuse to not sign this transfer agreement. So... Hello. <laughs> they are, they should be accountable to the community and be telling the community what that means for their health care. They are, like, what, the largest health care provider in that area and what services are and are you not providing anymore. Right. Is and there a public option even in Dayton? I don't know. I mean, after... No, Good Sam wasn't public either. No, the Good Sam was part of Premier. That's yeah. what started all this. Yeah, there's actually two, basically two hospital Kettering. system. It's Kettering, which is owned by the Seventh-day Adventists. God, who knew that like Seventh-day Adventists owned hospitals, but they do. And then Premier, which is now 22% Catholic. But I, I have to argue that, you know, being a little bit Catholic is like being a little bit pregnant. I, it, <laughs> once, once the Catholic Church takes over... From what it sounds like, the Catholic Church owns them. Yeah, so that's the Catholic Church's preference. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like from their contracts and everything else that that is what's happening. And so they may only own twenty two percent, but they are definitely controlling one hundred percent of what that hospital does. Right. And so you mentioned Good Sam. That was Good Samaritan Hospital. Uh, the chain bought and then closed. Yes. So mm-hmm. that's another huge part of this mm-hmm. uh, story that's very important to people in that community. <laughs> yeah, they're under is, federal investigation for closing that hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't yeah. close a hospital and not Especially have it in a affect. low income like right. high like high density like person of color neighborhood like you're racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we're going to continue to put pressure on Premier Health. Um, we'll put another link in the show notes. You can sign uh, the petition. We're continuing to gather yep. uh, signatures in support of this. 
so we just got a little bit of time left. Uh, we're going to talk about Title 10. What's up with Title 10? Title 10. Anybody uh, know? Uh, the Ninth Circuit upheld the restrictions that Trump put in for like the domestic gag rule. So that's bad. Yes. Yeah. Basically means that Planned Parenthood and other people who refuse to not disclose and refer people to abortion care can no longer use Title X funds so for like, birth control. So like this also doesn't even... This uh, does this also applies to like people who aren't Title Ten patients. So if you go to a Title Ten provider, but yeah. you are not a Title Ten patient, they can still not refer you to abortion care, which is absurd. So yeah, it, it is very. I mean, it's absurd regardless, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's very widespread. And and again, like these funds cannot be used to provide abortion care. This is purely about a conversation that is being had in the center about your options for health care if you get a preg- positive pregnancy test. So, yeah. And I mean, this is it's a specific targeting of Planned Parenthood because they cover 40% of Title 10 patients. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And they are, and and like we talked about earlier with the $2.5 million from Medicaid to help Medicaid providers be more efficient in providing these kinds of services. When you look at how many like Planned Parenthood clinics versus other clinics that exist, it's actually, they're a smaller fraction than that 40% because they serve more patients because they are more efficient. So if you're a taxpayer and you actually don't care at all about abortion or birth control or anything else, you only care about the finances of this all, you should be screaming from the mountaintops because now a provider that can provide care efficiently on that dollar and use that dollar investment from Title 10 to the most effective degree is no longer getting the money. Instead, they're handing it over to other places that are not set up to efficiently and effectively use that money. I mean, Planned Parenthood's specialty is family planning, and they're good at it, and they should get the money to do it. Exactly. So, I mean, it's like, oh, my God, I'm having a heart attack. You know, I guess I should just go see my family my family provider and not actually go see a cardiologist. They might be okay at it, but it's not your first choice. <laughs> exactly. Right. So it's BS. BS indeed. Uh, okay, so Kelly, uh, how can people get involved? What's happening? Um, <laughs> Cincinnati can come hang out with me on the 31st. It's, uh, it's with our friends at Planned Parenthood, Youth Action Coalition, and Black Pride Cincinnati. It is a Stop the Bands teach-in. It'll be at the library, the main library, uh, on Vine Street in downtown Cincinnati. Um, Ooh, I like that library. It's a nice library. Um, but it's, so it's going to be a bunch of panelists uh, and folks who like to teach you about things uh, like bands and Title X. Um, but we're also going to have a couple of legislators there. So representatives Bridget Kelly and Catherine Ingram will be there, as well as Senator Cecil Thomas. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. I'm, I'm pretty proud. Yay. Okay. Um, I don't have a lot planned right now because like July and August are kind of my slow times. Um, Not for Hannah. I have dates. Yeah. No, I got all my prides out in June, so I have a break. She doesn't. (laughs) Um, But don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to smack my face into the pavement in in September. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you live in the Northern half of the state and want to volunteer with us at a pride festival, uh, August 3rd is Mansfield pride. Uh, August 17th is Toledo Pride, and August 24th is Akron Pride. Uh, so check out our Facebook page, the Events tab, for information on all of those. Click on an event, and there'll be instructions on how to get a hold of uh, our Northern Ohio organizer, Hannah, to volunteer. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good? It does. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye.